0: Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets.
1: Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, We've had a great year on the Economic Development Secrets podcast, full of much wisdom shared by all types of economic development practitioners. We've had economic developers from statewide and regional organizations, think tanks, as well as those working for local municipalities. We've discussed topics ranging from strategic planning to taking stakeholders on leadership trips across the country to creating a property-assessed clean energy program. First, let's hear from Carlton Schwab, President and CEO of the Texas Economic Development Council. As the leader of the statewide Economic Development Professional Association, Carlton has a comprehensive view of the field and shares how he believes economic development has changed and will continue to advance.
2: I think that we have got to really, our professionals need to get involved in economic development in its uh, totality uh even more so than ever before because you simply can't uh, measure success anymore in jobs i mean to- jobs created was has always been kind of a a way to measure economic development success and you know with uh, automation of, of so many activities now it's just no longer um, a, a completely effective way of analyzing success, and what I'd like to see our professionals get into, and and it's already occurring, is to get into get their themselves and their boards into uh, looking at this thing in a more holistic way, looking at economic development in more in a more holistic way. Uh, how do local education Programs and t- workforce development programs affect uh, a community's ability to compete, uh, or perhaps not compete. Um, how about uh, you know? What about the uh, the issue of of place? What does your community look like? Is it a place that people want to uh, to live? They want to raise do. The, is it a place they want to raise a family? Um, all of the sort of softer issues, or it used to be considered softer issues, that are related um, to long-term success, we we need to um, educate our board members and our elected officials that uh, this is a long-term. Uh, it's a much more long-term kind of enterprise as opposed to the old, uh, you know, let's uh, let's shoot some. Um, Some game and hang the skins on the wall. Um, That era is over Um, and it's been over, but I think we're just now uh, trying to understand that or coming to terms with that.
1: This year, we've had a couple of other speakers who support their membership organizations. Brian Brackmeyer is the Vice President of Member Services at the Indiana Municipal Power Agency. He shares information about the different resources that they offer various economic development organizations.
3: Yeah, so we're fortunate where our membership base is very broad, where we have some communities that are have a lot of staff members that are on the economic development marketing side and and very already have a lot of resources and tools at their disposal. Then we have some communities that really don't have anything. So we have a, a host of Tools and, and resources that we provide, uh, you know, first is what we like to always add is education and sponsorship opportunities. Where I think it's always so important to empower these communities and their elected officials and people that work on their utility to give them access to information. If there is uh, you know a conference that that they think is beneficial for them to go to, that meet with a company or Um, Maybe just learn more about economic development in general. That is something that we always support and especially with the economic development side it's an industry that's forever changing whether that's how you go about it or um, How you finance certain projects that are really tricky? That's something that we always want to make sure Everyone is educated as possible. So that's really the first thing that we love to to offer to uh, communities in our area one thing I'm really proud of actually is uh, we have this impact dashboard, which you might know a little bit about, <laughs> where uh, as our communities are working on prospective projects or working with a company for expansion or a new one to come, I think it's so valuable for these elected officials to have all the information that they can to make an appropriate decision on if this is company they want um, or maybe how to support with an incentive package. Because being able to kind of see what that true economic impact is going to be when you have a company that's looking to invest in in your area saying what that uh, job creation is going to be what the tax benefits going to be what the indirect benefits going to be from hopefully additional homes and and a retail spend and all that kind of good stuff is is really puts our members at an advantage to be able to see all that so that's something that we're really proud of and thanks for all your help on that um, we also have some lead generation where Uh, Me and my team uh, and with some local mayors and elected officials, we go out to meet with uh, targeted companies or with site location consultants or real estate brokers to kind of tell our story. Because even though the world we live in is uh, so driven by being online, I think that's really important. We're there, but it's also important to still have some of that face to face interaction. So we love to take some of our members on, on these trips and, and build that relationship. Uh, and we also have a lot of marketing support that we do where uh, it's so important to be online these days, like I said, where you need to have uh, all your, everything is uh, regarding your community, talking about what sites you have available, what kind of environmental studies have been done on your sites, uh, what, what's your demographic information look like. So we help compile them with all of that um, and so they can kind of put their best foot forward and then finally what we're really getting involved too is in, in social media not necessarily for us we're we're there but really more for our members where it's nice for them to tell their story on what sort of job openings they have in a community or what are the the 10 best things to do and maybe the city of Richmond or, or the city of uh, Anderson um, for for tourism so if I'm scrolling through whatever social media outlet online and at night and I kind of see one of these committees pop up, it's it's kind of fun to see that kind of stuff. So that's something that we're love to try to get involved in more.
1: Marlisa Briggs, Executive Director of the North Houston Association, shares one of the exciting and educational events that they organized for their membership.
4: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because a lot of times, I think both a lot of professionals in the two different respective industries don't really see the the commonality and um so what we're doing is in October we're hosting a membership luncheon titled the nexus between economic development and transportation and our speakers are TEDC's president Carlton Schwab and the Texas Department of Transportation's Houston District Engineer Quincy Allen And um, Carlton has served on the Texas Freight Advisory Committee, so he knows firsthand that these two industries have a very strong connection. And Quincy has spoken before the Transportation Research Board about the relationship between economic development and, and, you know, development and reconstruction and improvement of roadways. So um, knowing that both of these uh, experts have gone and spoken to almost the each other's industry experts. It's it's great. We're really excited to bring them t- the two of them together to the same stage for for a dynamic discussion. We think it's going to be educational and it's going to generate a lot of partnerships and discussions about um, the two the two industries that I think sometimes are seen as completely two different worlds when you realize that for example we recently had the Grand Parkway completed um, in our section. There's the majority of the Grand Parkway. It's a high, major highway, almost like a third loop around Houston. And um, there's still a segment that's left to be completed, but it's well on track. But all of the portions in our service area are done. And when that happened, one of them is close to my my house. And once that was completed, the development that took place almost overnight it seems has been incredible so the growth just followed that highway obviously because it was areas that before were either inaccessible or not easily accessible at all Um, now all of a sudden has brought about opportunities for new retail and new subdivisions and um we've even seen some you know of course when when population increases then they're going to have to plan new schools and new medical facilities and and all of that follow so um, it's when you sit and think about it it's a definite connection but we're looking forward to actually having those professionals in those industries really um, connect with each other face to face and, and have some good
5: discussions about it
1: Jackie Kali'i'aa is a Senior Economic Development Analyst for the East Bay Economic Development Alliance. Her organization hosts the East Bay Innovation Awards, what they like to refer to as the Academy Awards of the economic development field.
6: So the East Bay um, Innovation Awards was created to be a regional marker, sort of a tool to attract businesses by showcasing the success of our assets and our businesses in the East Bay. So it's a very competitive process, but it's exciting as well. Um, so of the 104 nominations we received last year, only 16 finalists get to compete in eight categories. Um, so of these categories, we have advanced manufacturing, clean technology, education, life life sciences, for example. And um, it's, it's a very prestigious award. Um, some of the companies that have um, been winners in the past include Tesla, Impossible Foods, Kaiser Permanente, Clorox Company, as well as the East Bay Regional Park District. So it's a really fun event. Uh, we like to think of it as the Academy Awards of East Bay Innovation. We have a, a red carpet interview and uh, the winners are all revealed when the envelopes are opened that night. So it's it's got a really good energy, a very festive vibe. And actually that's why we've sold out the historic Fox Theater in downtown Oakland three years in a row. So with only 16 finalists and just eight awardees, uh, it's it's a it's a fun event, it's a little competitive, but the reality is the, the companies that are highlighted as finalists really catapult into their fields. Um, for example, we had uh, Sail Drone, a company um, in based in Alameda actually, and those folks have been doing amazing things uh, since they were uh, noted as a finalist at the 2017 uh, Innovation Awards, so that was last year. But I I just encourage folks to visit our website to see more information about the Innovation Awards. And we actually have videos from past years. So if you're interested to check it out and and see what it looks like, please visit our website. And also, uh, I'd like to let everyone know that if you are aware of an innovative company in the East Bay please nominate them. Uh, You can't win unless you're nominated. So we are actually opening up nominations in August. So keep an eye on our website uh, to get more information on how to nominate folks.
1: Next in the speaker lineup is Tony Giovanello, president of Shasta EDC. Tony shares with listeners information about Project Hometown, a program that his organization has executed, which helps the local businesses with their Internet presence and sales, And also introduces high school students to exciting career opportunities.
7: So my belief is that in the world of the future, there will be have and have not people, have and have not companies, and have and have not communities based on how they embrace digital technology and we have about 17,000 businesses in our county and those range from multi-billion dollar businesses to the one man shop who's doing it part time in his basement uh but they all in today's world need websites and we looked at the websites that were out there and we saw that a lot of them were you know these single page websites and they were kind of like online brochures They weren't updated. And then we went out and looked to see who's hitting those websites. And we found that they're primarily uh, being being searched on cell phones and tablets, but yet they were not optimized for those devices. They were designed around desktops. So there was all this investment out there, but uh, the companies weren't capitalizing on it. And then we looked at whether or not these companies were using e-commerce and we found that a very small number of them were using e-commerce. And as you know, that's a bigger and bigger part of our economy. I don't think it'll ever replace retail, but it's uh, it's about 17% of retail sales now and it's gonna continue to grow. So if you ignore it, you're gonna leave uh, an opportunity on the table. So what Project Hometown does is it basically creates a platform where through a partnership with all the web development companies in our town and a spec, kind of an easy on-ramp spec, at a very, very low cost, we can get our companies online and in e-commerce. Then, and how do, one of the ways we do that, which is also beneficial to our community, since we're doing it for such a low price, it's hard for the web developers to afford to do it. So we've already trained our first, first cohort of 10 high school students. And they passed with flying colors and created some great websites. And they're going to actually deploy this service as interns for the web companies. The web companies are going to kind of train them on the job. And these high schoolers are being uh, engaged in the business community and they're potentially doing work as interns for future employers. So we think it's a great way to educate our workforce to deliver this service and uh, and then create some more engagement with our youth and our community.
1: Kelly Overby is the Business Retention and Expansion Director for the Longview Texas Economic Development Corporation. She also discusses the importance of educating high school students about career opportunities with local businesses, through a program called Career Choices.
8: I think that's one of the strengths of our organization is that we focus on more than just the recruitment. We have a large focus on our retention and expansion expansion of local companies, as well as the commitment to their workforce development because we feel that workforce excellence is important as the companies grow. And we also recognize that 65% or more of the growth in our community is created by our existing businesses. And so as the business retention expansion director, I find it um, extremely important that we build relationships with our local companies. I know one of the things you had asked in some of the questions was what's the ratio that we have with recruitment and the local businesses. And currently we have seven companies that we're working on uh, growth they're wanting to expand their companies and add jobs. On the other hand, we have about three prospects that we're working with. So you can see the difference, uh, you know, the, how much, how important our existing businesses are because we are constantly having to build those relationships. I've been uh, working, at, since I've been at LeCo, I started out in the workforce development area. I actually, um, because of our BRE work, we realized that our companies needed a better uh, workforce um, pipeline. And so the high school students were not getting taught or educated on the types of jobs that were being created in our community. And so I was hired as a recruiter. And to go into the schools and teach them about the different types of jobs that are available to them, and not just those four-year degree pathways. So I created a program called um, Career Choices in East Texas, and I presented that to about a 1,000 kids a year. And so we were trying to create that pipeline to educate students on that. Working with our local companies, a lot of them actually presented with me, because we also have a human resource alliance group that we work with, and that's, that's part of my job as well, is to meet with those HR groups so that we know what the needs are in our community. And then our BRE program, we work really hard to meet with our CEOs and plant managers at least once a year so that we know their needs and what's going on with them. And now something arises you know, during that, that yearly that break, then of course we meet with them uh, much faster. And then we continue the relationships with the HR managers as well. We, we find it very important to keep those relationships growing at all time.
1: David Kemmerlingo, Trade and Investment Commissioner for North America for the Queensland Australia Trade and Investment Department, shares with listeners about their Advanced Queensland initiative, which includes a program called Hot Desk. This program encourages startups from around the world to spend six to 12 months in Queensland.
0: Whereas now the Advanced Queensland agenda is investing more so in the people in Queensland to be able to um, not only take and commercialize some of that IP and some of that fantastic science that's coming out of uh, out of Queensland, but to encourage a culture of innov- innovation, to inspire a next generation of entrepreneurs, to um, bring the community together, to also connect, uh, connect Queensland to the world when it comes to um, taking ideas to new markets and commercializing ideas as well. So that's what the Advanced Queensland uh, Agenda is. It's about a, it's a significant investment. It's about a $500 million uh, Australian dollar uh, investment by the state government, so by the state of Queensland. And there's a whole suite of um, different initiatives. And I can give you a few examples of those initiatives, if you like. Yeah, So so they range from encouraging uh, coding and robotics and STEM education right through from what you would call elementary school here in the US, uh, all the way up through to our universities, to uh, there's some seed funding, and there's grants to um, help startups and entrepreneurs to demonstrate their technology and their ideas so actually there's some small seed funding ranging from about a hundred thousand up to about two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars there's a program that's entirely uh, dedicated to getting academia so our universities and higher education institutes working more closely with industry so there's funding for if you're an early stage company to bring on a, perhaps a phd student or a postgraduate student to uh, to work on a particular idea or a particular venture um, there's one program which i really actually like is a program called hotdesk Desk. Uh, so it's because it's queensland we changed the k to q in hotdesk so it's h o t d e s q for queensland um, and what it is is so we've brought we've brought a lot of our accelerators our co-working spaces our Community leaders together, like physically together in in um, different spaces. Uh, so, we actually built a, p- a place called the Precinct, which is in Brisbane, where we brought these entities together to um, encourage more greater collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've also recognized is while we've got some great ideas and some great people that are quite capable at taking some of these ideas to market, we don't always have all of the answers. And so, a program called Hot Desk is entirely, encouraged, uh, entirely there to encourage founders and startups and even expat Australians from all around the world to come and spend six to 12 months in Queensland. Um, they get up to $100,000 in funding to work on a venture that perhaps might have some alignment in Australia or perhaps they might be uh, that, that organization or that startup might already be looking at Australia or perhaps the Australian, the Asia Pacific region. Um, so they get $100,000, they come and work in Queensland for 12 months on their venture at one of these uh, accelerators or co-working spaces um, with one big caveat and that is that they contribute and give back to the community. So they have to provide mentorship, they have to um, share and perhaps try to inspire some of the other entrepreneurs there as well. So we're trying to bring in this expertise and experience from all around the world. And so, so that program, the Hot Desk program, we uh, just ran the second round of that program last year. We had, I think, 29 comp- uh, startups from all around the world uh, come and spend some time in Queensland for that for that six to 12 month period. They, uh, we had, I think we had, um, about five or so from the US and two from Canada and a handful from Silicon Valley as well that are uh, spending some time there. So, so we're really about trying to um, build up the expertise and capabilities locally, but also bring some of that capabilities from all around the world to, uh, to connect to connect our startups and entrepreneurs with, with the globe.
1: Michelle Geller. Economic development manager at the city of Escondido, California, created a comprehensive economic development strategy for her community. Her comprehensive economic development strategy also won a local award. Back
9: in 2011, you know, when when I started doing economic development, you know, really seriously here in Escondido, we didn't really have a roadmap for policy decisions for the future of um, of our economy here. Um, So. I thought it was really important that we do a comprehensive economic development strategy, also called a SEDS, which is the acronym for that um, document, and it basically is a roadmap for economic development in your region, and it's it's based on data. Um, so you know we hired a consultant. Um, also, you are required to have what's called a SEDS committee, which is a committee make up, made up of stakeholders that is majority private sector. So that was a huge um, benefit to doing this process as well, because we engaged stakeholders from every industry in Escondido to give us input on, you know, they had the real boots on the ground experience of doing business in Escondido You know, what had been their experience up to that point and where did they see the future of Escondido's economy going? So our first SEDS was completed back in 2012. Um, I continued to use it as a roadmap. It wasn't just one of those reports that you do and then it sits on the shelf gathering dust. And we just updated our SEDS in January of this year. And uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't look at it and, you know, kind of check in and, and see how we're doing. And um, I'm happy to report that, you know, the, the main businesses that we identified in our SEDS of having a, a large presence here in Escondido, among them is agriculture, clean tech, um, healthcare, information and communications and specialty foods and beverages. We're seeing growth in every single area of those through businesses either newly locating here or growing here. So it's it's great to see your plan actually you know happening in real time. I definitely would recommend any city do a comprehensive economic development strategy. Um, a SEDS, an official SEDS, as approved by the Economic Development Administration, also allows cities to apply for federal grants from the EDA. So it doesn't take that much more to get an official says if you're already hiring a consultant to do a strategy so i always would recommend that and then choosing the right stakeholders in your community to make sure that you know the plan even if there are maybe some industries or some folks in your city that you know are knowledgeable and engaged but maybe they tend to disagree with the city it's still important to have those folks at the table because Ultimately, everybody's going to need to buy in on this plan, and everybody's going to be needing to sing the same song as as you're promoting the plan. So I'm really fortunate here in Escondido. I have a lot of really engaged, um, smart stakeholders that represent our our major industries, and they're always willing to provide feedback and, and to be involved in our processes. So I feel really fortunate that way. And then... As you said, don't put it on the shelf and only look at it every five years. You know, if if you're going to invest the time and, and the, your budget into a plan, make it a working plan. And if you have to go back and maybe correct some things, you know, it's a living document and, and definitely make it work for you. That would be my advice to anybody doing that.
1: Gail Bolfin, Vice President of Membership Development for the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance, discusses their leadership trips where her organization takes a group of stakeholders to visit different communities around the country. Her group then analyzes the community to look for takeaways that they can implement in Fort Lauderdale.
5: We um, embarked on a leadership trip two years ago, uh, but the process began before that. It it began about three years ago, and we, we as an organization were considering ways we could continue to learn about other best practices around the country, as well as engage our members, and to, by doing that, grow our our own community, as I'd mentioned before. So it was a very democratic process. We identified a handful of our members, and we spent several months studying other communities in the country, and that involved doing reports, pulling uh, information and then presenting it to our little steering committee. Uh, Each group had a community they were pitching and at the end we voted on which place we thought was the one that we could learn the most from. Uh, It turned out to be Austin. We had about 50 people uh, uh, attend. We flew in on a Saturday, half the group on Saturday, half the group on Sunday and we were there until wednesday uh, very busy studying five different aspects of austin life that that we thought we could learn from and it was a tremendous experience uh we we matched up with austin in a couple of areas austin was different from us in other areas but overall uh, we thought that uh the growing tech community in austin the kind of uh, cool factor Austin has, the um, work with South by Southwest, the challenges, some of the challenges that Austin had were similar to some of our challenges. So, uh, and while we were not the state capital, uh, we still thought this is a place that was a a great starting point for us. And it turned out to be a a tremendous learning experience and also networking experience for us as a community. We came back full of great ideas. uh, so much so that we decided this is something we wanna do every other year. So last year we studied and went through the process again and chose Nashville. So in February of this year, 2018, a group of 80 of us traveled to Nashville and did much the same. Our, our original five study groups expanded to nine study groups and uh, we again, had a chance to spread out over the community and and learn what makes nashville so unique it was it was a tremendous learning experience for us uh, in in two ways we we learned we learned about things that nashville and austin were doing that we could do perhaps or consider doing here locally and then we also learned how good we are in certain areas that that we hadn't really considered before. So, it was a chance to learn more about ourselves through visiting another location. So, uh, we had everyone from bank presidents to CEOs to partners in law firms. We had all kinds of association representation. So, the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association sent someone. uh, We had someone from a medical device company, an aviation industry expert. our workforce development folks and our transportation people attended. We even had the CEO of our professional hockey team uh, come. We had uh, lots of municipalities and we also had lots of educators. So um, as we have become a little more sophisticated in this process, we make sure that we have folks locally who represent the things that we wanna study in that leadership community. We think we live in a pretty nice place here in Greater Fort Lauderdale, so we're looking for places that are as as good as us and perhaps have a better or a different or a more national presence. Um, we can learn a lot from how areas market themselves in terms of ways that that we might consider marketing what we have here in South Florida We always say that we're so busy growing companies that we often don't pick our head up and talk about ourselves. So it's a great opportunity for us to learn what makes sense in promoting our area. Um, We have, I don't think there are many places in the country that can beat us for quality of life. So we look for places that uh, that are neck and neck with us, which is why Austin and Nashville both made the cut. They both have uh, a great um, reputation for quality of life, for music, for culture, for art, um, as do we. And they also uh, take care of their business community. So I think they're able to do both things really well and we pride ourselves on the same things. So that is one of the things that we look for. Uh, in terms of challenges, You know, are they facing some of the same challenges as we? We're the sixth largest school district in the United States. We have um, high-speed rail. You know, we have uh, one of the fastest growing communities in the United States. So when we look at those uh, potential locations to visit, are do they also have challenges and how are they over- overcoming those? Um, that's very intriguing for us. You know, how are they keeping up with affordable housing? Um, how are they um, growing their workforce? So. Uh, those are some of the things that that we consider it, and i i really think in the end there're also places that we want to visit because um they do have that cool factor and that is that makes the trip fun fun for our our members and and uh fun for us as an organization you know we we've talked to the highest uh, folks uh in some of those areas and and worker bees so it kind of runs the gamut Uh, When we were in Nashville, for instance, we uh, met with the CEO of the Nashville, of the Tennessee Titans, and he talked to us about leadership and about the role of professional sports in a community. We talked to the head of their uh, tourism industry, who gave us a a real peek inside of um, how to promote an area and take advantage of the good times and the bad times. Uh, We talked to heads of universities and and CEOs and heads of hospitals. Uh, But we also talked to teachers in the classroom and the economic development folks. Uh, In Nashville, we spoke to the mayor, who uh, was very inspirational, uh, and talked to us about the challenges of um, shepherding transportation initiatives in a community where, um, you know, you. When you have an infrastructure project, you've gotta be in it for the long haul. It's not just a one-year project, but a, a multi-year project. And how do you keep that positive energy going through that whole uh, ordeal? But same thing in Austin. Transportation was another issue we were particularly interested in and spoke to your mayor. In fact, he he um, spoke to us the first night that we were in Austin. And again, transportation was an issue that uh, we learned from uh, both both mayors, that you can't take your foot off the pedal on uh, a project that involved and and one that requires that much time to see through, uh, or or you're in danger of losing it. So we learned so many valuable lessons from both from both locations, um, and and I think it's important when we're bringing elected officials and CEOs that we meet with like-minded people in the communities that we visit. One of the interesting things that we learned on our first trip to Austin was that our um, our attendees, our, our own members here from South Florida, perhaps didn't know as much about South Florida as we thought they did. So it was a real wake-up call for us that we needed to do a better job locally of sharing what we have, the resources that we have. I'll give you an example. Uh, when we were in Austin, uh, you were in the midst of building the Dell Medical School, very impressive um, facility in, in Austin. And, uh, and our folks were very impressed with it as well. But I mentioned that we have four medical schools here in South Florida, and we were building our fifth. And I could see that there were blank stares from several of the people I I spoke with. They they didn't realize the depth of the healthcare and higher education facilities that we had in our own backyard. So as a result of that, we have been instituting mini trips in Broward County so that our members can learn more about the resources that we have here
8: locally.
1: Last but certainly not least, Courtney Pogue, Director of Economic Development for the City of Dallas, discusses their Property Assessed Clean Energy Program, which recently won the Silver Excellence in Economic Development Award from the International Economic Development Council.
10: The Property um, Assessed Clean Energy Program, uh, which we just won I think four awards over the past um, few years um, basically takes the energy savings um, and finances and monetizes those savings which are then utilized to repay a loan which is then from our capital providers um, throughout the country and that is basically comes in like a mezzanine capital stack mezzanine loan to the capital stack um, to kind of help um, more or less finance various projects throughout the city so uh, just last month Uh, We received an award from uh, the International Economic Development Council um, for the PACE program for the rehab of the um, Butler Brothers building here in Dallas. Uh, We also received three other local awards for the same project. So um, it's a very successful project, and we actually just did one of our largest projects here in Dallas. It's the rehab of the DREABER building, uh, 1401. Helm here in Dallas, and uh, they're utilizing that, the PACE program to help do that project. The oral, overall total project cost is $430 million uh, for the Driever rebuild.
1: I'd like to extend a huge thank you to all of the wonderful guest speakers that we had on the podcast this year. I also truly appreciate all of the listeners tuning in, and I look forward to another exciting year of the Economic Development Secrets podcast.
0: Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.